Just take a moment and acknowledge that he is a way maker in our lives. When we see no way, he knows the way. He's the way maker. Let's just lift our hands up to the Lord and just acknowledge, yes, Lord, you are the way maker in our lives, in our situations, the things that we're facing, Lord, you are the way maker. That's who you are. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We acknowledge you, Father. We acknowledge you, your goodness, your love, your spirit, your grace upon us, Father. When we couldn't do it, you're able to do it for us. When we don't know which way to go, Lord, you show us the way. Thank you, Lord. You're a mighty God, a great God, a good God, and we serve you all the days of our lives. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for ministering to your people, bringing them life, peace, joy, and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. I get, I get excited when the Lord comes. Amen? Because he knows how to minister to each and every one of you what you need. I don't know what you need, but he does. He knows what you're going through. He's been with you and following you, wanting to help you. You got guardian angels. You got the Holy Spirit. You got everything working in your behalf. Glory to God. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Just say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I like to just pause and give God recognition for who he is and what he's done and how great he is. Can you look back and see how, God, how good God was and how great he was in situations that you couldn't find a way? But he was there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I've got a good message for you today. I'm glad you came. I tried to study and ask the Lord to impress upon me what you need each and every week. And last week when I was talking about relationships, I felt the Lord wanted me to stay there and talk a little bit about relationships. How many of you have 100% pure, clean relationships with everybody you know? Is, is anybody out there? No. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, you know, it's impossible that offenses won't come. They're going to come. Offenses are going to come. But how we deal with them, that's what makes the difference. Praise God. And God is genuinely interested in your relationships. He's involved. He's concerned. He wants to have you have a good relationship with each and every one of his children. Praise God. So today's uh, title is God is in the midst of your relationships. Isn't that nice to know? He's watching. He's going to help you. He's going to work things out for your good. He told his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 34, he says, A new command I give you, love one another. That's not new. Is that new? Love one another? But here's the catch. He says, as I have loved you. So you must, you must, you must, say must, must. Love one another. No, I don't want to. Yeah, you must love one another. Amen? So if there's a Christian or even anybody out there, you're compelled to love them, whether you like them or not. Praise the Lord. Now, how did Jesus love us? He loved us unconditionally, continually, and unwaveringly. He, 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 he just poured out his love towards us and towards them. He says, by this Everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. It's not your good preaching. 
It's not how many scriptures you know. It's not how many times you go to church. It's how do you love one another. So you just can't write somebody off and say, pooey on them, you know. I love God. God is my Lord. But these people, I don't know. Because <laughs> people will betray you, you know. They'll talk good to your face, and then they'll talk bad about you. They'll tell you what you're supposed to do, and then they'll complain about what you are doing. I mean, people are crazy that way, aren't they? But the Bible says, here's how we're supposed to treat one another. It says, be kindly affectioned one to another. Prefer one another. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Comfort one another. Build each other up. Forbearing one another. Bear one another's burdens. Are we doing that? I, I didn't, no thundering applause or amen on that one. <laughs> Some, sometimes I go to people's work, and I, they don't know I'm there, and I see them interacting with people. They might be a little harsh and rough, and, and then they'll look up. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I, uh, you, ca- you caught me at a bad moment. <laughs> you ever had a bad moment? <laughs> Well, I can understand, because I've, I've been caught in some bad moments myself at times. Yes. Yay, I, even I. <laughs> sometimes at the store, sometimes on the phone. I just don't like it when people just kind of diss me and don't really, you know, value me or take care of me. You know, just the other day. <laughs> I was on the phone trying to complete a transaction as far as our insurance goes, and they said, well, you just need to send in the uh, information. I go, I did. And they go, well, it must have crossed in the mail. Send it again. I go, I, I sent it a month ago. It can't be, it can't be crossed in the mail. So well, just, just go ahead and send it again. I said, it's not that easy. I got to look it up, and then I got to send it, and how do I know if you're going to get it? She said, well, just send it, and I'll let you know in an hour if we got it or not. I said, okay. So I did find it. I sent it. She didn't call me. I had to call her, and I had to act like, you know, I was just so pleased that she was helping me. Thank you very much. Uh, you received it. Amen. <laughs> she said, I said, God bless you. And she said, God bless you too, Pastor Chuck. So, you know, I got that title. I better act right, right? Now, I have to say all that because I wanted to tell a story. I want to tell on me. Then I'm going to tell a story that, of Marianne and I and Charles and her, his, uh, Marianne's mother. We were on a trip. This felt like a Ch- Chevy Chase vacation movie. <laughs> we're going on a flight. We're going to New Mexico. We're going to see one of the national parks, which her mom really likes to, to go to. So we said, let's go early. That way, nothing could go wrong. What could possibly happen if we go early? So we leave early. We're halfway to the airport. And Marianne looks around and goes, I don't, I don't have my purse. I said, okay, well, I guess you'll catch the next flight, huh? <laughs> My son said, no, 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 no. We got time. Turn around. We can get the purse and still make it in time. I go, okay. So we got the purse, and we're on the, the freeway, and I missed the off-ramp, the connector to go to the airport. <laughs> this is a while back. We didn't have GPS, so we get lost in the, in the uh, residential area. Can't find the freeway. You know, my son said, just go west, Dad. Go west, whatever. You just go west towards the airport. Finally find the freeway. Get on it, and it's going to be close. 
it's going to be really close. So close, you said, Charles, drop us off at the, at the um, what, not the gate, what's the curb, the curbside. I'll park the car, you guys check in the bags, I'll meet you at the TSA counter, and we'll get in, we'll make it. So sure enough, we get in there, Charles catches up to us, we're in there, and, and we're going, they're going through our luggage and everything, and then one lady says, ma'am, I'm sorry that that lotion uh, won't go on the plane. Why? It's too big. It's expensive. She says, I'm sorry, it just won't, can I break it up? No, you're going to have to take it downstairs to the ticket counter. We don't have time for that. Okay, take it, okay. And then so we're still getting everything together, and this guy yells out from across the room, hey, lady, you got to take off your hat. My wife says, what are you talking about? First you take my lotion, now you're yelling at me across the room. What's, what kind of customer service is this? She says, my wife is, she's HR, she's used to customer service. She says, let me speak to your supervisor. Me and Charles look at each other like, we're not going to get on the plane. <laughs> we, we may even be in jail. I don't know. It's, it's, this is going to be bad. <laughs> so... The guy realizes, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have yelled across the room. So he lets us go. We get on the airplane. We seat, sit down. Just when we buckle our seats, the, the pilot says, okay, uh, buckle your seats. We're getting ready for takeoff. And we went, oh, how did we make it? I turn around to Marianne's mom. I go, did you think we were going to make it? She goes, nope. <laughs> Not in a million years. <laughs> she didn't say a word the whole time. But my point is, you got to keep your cool, no matter what's happening. You can't let your emotions get the best of you. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, hold your peace. I, I never really realized what that means. That means, hold your peace. Don't let it go. If you let it go, then you're going to be your natural self. you got to hold your peach, peace. The Bible says, as much as life in you, live peaceably with one another. Can you say that? Peaceably. Live peaceably with one another. Now, there's many cases in the Bible where people didn't get along and didn't agree. Amen? Even in the beginning, Cain killed Abel. What up with that? You know? Jacob tricked his brother out of his birthright. Joseph's brothers threw him down the well to die. Some brothers they were, huh? I know, I mean, some of you might have had some mean brothers and mean sisters, but I don't think anybody put you out there to die, did they? Even Jesus' brothers didn't believe in him. So why don't you show yourself and let us know who you are. You're claiming to be the Son of God. Let's hear it. Even the great apostle Paul had a disagreement with his fellow minister Barnabas. These guys, you remember Jesus said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for a work that I have for them. But they, they pick up John Mark, who Mark is the guy that wrote the second uh, uh, gospel, they take him with them, and on the first city, Mark says, I don't think I like this. All this, you know, threats, you're going to stone me, you're going to throw me in jail, you're going to behead me. I, I, don't, I don't think I need this. I'm going back home. See you later. So then, <laughs> Paul and Barnabas, after they get back, they're a while, they're there a while, and they say, well, let's go back around and see the church and see how they're doing it. And let's take Mark with us again. Paul said, I don't think so. Are you crazy? That, that boy just ditched us right, right on the first city. He didn't even get his feet wet. Barnabas said, oh, he's, he's a little older now. You know, he's a little more mature. Let's take him with us. No, I don't want him to go. Paul and Barnabas, though they did great feats, though they're working together, 
get in an argument, and let's see how it's explained in the Bible. Now, Barnabas was determined. Deter you ever been determined? To take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted. You got a guy that's demanding, determined, and a guy that's uh, insisting. You ever see that around? <laughs> I see it at the church all the time. We're going to do it this way. Oh, no, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this way. No, we're going to do that. Demanded and insisted. And so what happens here? They, they, they should not, Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. We can't work together. I, I, I don't want to take them. You want to take them? Well, fine. We'll just, go, we'll just part our ways. God told them they're supposed to work together. How can they be working together as Christians? Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13, love one another, and here he is, he can't even settle an argument with a guy that he's working with. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes people change, people grow, people do things that they, I didn't think they could do. We've had some people that have risen up in this ministry, thank God for it, and we have seen some great results. Anthony, the great Anthony, played Jesus on Easter. <laughs> Terry McFadden said that was the best Jesus we ever saw. Now he's working the PowerPoint, helping out with the sound. Amen? We had Allie working with the toddlers. I went in there the other day, I go, this is amazing. How do you get those kids to obey you and listen and stay in one place. This is, this is remarkable. Her daughter, Rebecca, is up teaching the youth. And Charles said, this girl is amazing. I don't know where she learned all these things, but she's got them all captivated. Margaret with her online TV uh, videos for the children. I mean, she could do a TV series with these things. Who, who knew, you know? Pat and Ron as greeters in the back. Truly amazing. They're like pillars. In the, in, at their post. Glory as a greeter, being effervescent and being enthusiastic. These are all people that God is raising up that we wouldn't have known that they have these gifts in them until we ask them, would you do this? And they're re rising to the occasion. What's that mean? That's an invitation for, to all of you that are new. Get your feet wet, start working in the ministry, and watch God work with you. Now, i got to warn you. Sometimes there's contention even when you're working in church. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Bindi, Bindi they, they, they wouldn't even let you be in a play at your other church. Yeah. We let her be in the play in our church, and she did wonderful. <laughs> Praise God. So sometimes it don't work out in one place, but it works out in another. But there's two ladies in the Bible, you ready for this, who are working with Paul and he writes a letter to the Philippians, and he adds this moment in Philippians 4, verses 2 through 3. He's writing this letter. It's a spiritual letter. He's talking to him about the things of God. And right in the middle, he says this. Now, I urge Eodia and Syntyche to iron out their differences and make up. <laughs> God doesn't want his children holding grudges. And, oh, yes, Sigurdus... Since you were right there to help them work things out, do the best with them. Well, do your best? What kind of argument is this? <laughs> do, you mean you got to really work to get these people to agree and to live and work together? Now, if I was one of those ladies, I'd say, Paul, 
did you have to write that in the epistle? Did, now everybody for 2,000 years are going to see that we were fighting. And when we get home, and when we get to see the Lord, we'll have to say, oh, did, uh, did you guys make up? <laughs> you don't want your name to be registered in heaven as not being able to make up with somebody, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? All right, okay. We <laughs> okay, I, I know this is settling in you. Just receive it. We're, we're, we're going to go a little deeper, okay? Because we are the family of God. Did you know that? Why are we a family? Because God said, call me daddy, call me father. He said, don't call me almighty God, call me father. And we are a family of God. And what we do to one, we're doing to Jesus, right? As you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Give them a cup of cold water, it's, you'll get your reward. And, and Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I needed clothes, and you took me in. I was a stranger, and you also took me in. I, I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you visited me. So when I go to the hospital or I go to, or, or, or go to the prison, I tell people, I'm going to go see Jesus. They go, really? Yeah. He said, if I go see someone in prison or in the hospital, it's like visiting him. And so I'm just kind of cranking up all my uh, rewards so that when I get to heaven, they got that long list. Okay, you made 300 and <laughs> 25 hospital visits. <laughs> Praise God. So God is in the midst of your relationships. Praise God. Now, relationships are tricky. Why? Because you have to deal with other people. It's not just you and God, but there's another person involved. But there's a correlation between your relationship with God and your relationship with people. Did you know that? If you love God, you serve God, and you want to be with God, you will love his people. You'll love his children. And so in 1 uh, John 4, 20, he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And that kind of puzzled me because, you know, God is, uh, who doesn't love God? I mean, God is perfect. He loves us. He always says good things about us. He's with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. He were the apple of his eye. He has good things planned for us. He just speaks so wonderfully about us. But then the people, his people, you know, criticize and rude and they say things against us and, you know, they talk behind our back, all, all these things. But God is supposed to still love you. I mean, we're supposed to still love the people of God. That's our commitment. Whether nobody else in the world acts in love, we have to. You can't get to heaven and say, well, you know, so-and-so, they treated me wrong. That's why I couldn't love them. No, no, no. Will not work. And so how do you do these things? Let, let's look at this. Because there's some tough sayings that Jesus gave us. Let's look in uh, Matthew 5. It says, I say unto you, love your enemies. Well, let's stop right there. What's he talking about? Love your enemies? You, anybody got any enemies? Enemies hurt you. They take money from you. They lie to you. <laughs> they mistreat you. They're cutting. They say hard thing that hurts your Love your enemies. Oh, my gosh. How in the world do you do that? Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. And and persecute you. Now, this is one of the toughest scriptures in the Bible. I mean, this is advanced, you know, Christianity right here. <laughs> Can you do it? Well, I've, this is completely contrary to our human nature, isn't it? Our, our human nature is to get back, to have vengeance, to strike back. But I've learned, hmm, 
come on, talk to me. I've learned over the years, if you do these principles, God works everything out for your good. He restores, and even your enemies can be your friends. Amen? And whatever hurt you've taken, or either financially or physically or whatever, he will make up the difference, and he'll make it up to you. It's so good. Now, sometimes uh, what people do to you causes you to go in the right direction, a direction that you wouldn't have gone, but God was taking you there. For instance, I'm at this church because I joined the Foursquare denomination, and they put me, they were going to make me assistant pastor of a church that, with a big congregation, like 1,700 people. I go, oh, that's cool. I, I can dig it. <laughs> I can roll with that. <laughs> Walk into town, you know. <laughs> and and, and it, it didn't work out because <laughs> his philosophy was a lot different than mine. And they said, you know, you need to have your own church, actually. And so that's how I got here to New Heart. But in looking back, that wouldn't have worked. But this works. And this is better for me because I was able to keep my pension at Kaiser and able to continue to work here and be able to minister because I wasn't going to be able to minister there. And I said, hmm, looking back, what I thought was going to be a, tr uh, a disaster turned out for my good. God guided me in the right direction. And I know when I married the lovely and beautiful Mary Ann, uh, she was living with her two brothers and, and, and her mom. That was a stacked house, huh? And so <laughs> when we decided to get married, her mom uh, was going to sell the house to us, and she had to tell the brothers, boys, it's time to move out. And they, oh, ma, come on, don't make us move out. And they had to go with their friends, and we moved in. And it looked like it was a disaster for them. However, they got picked themselves up. They got married. They had successful children that have done great things. And, and so it was a good thing for them. One of their offspring is working the soundboard right now, Bill. His, his dad was one of the brothers that got kicked out, I mean, got uh, moved out. <laughs> God works, and they never held it against me either. Praise God. Praise God. So why do we act this way? Uh, in verse 45, it says, That we may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. Now, this is all about forgiving people. You know, the Bible says that you have to forgive others just as God has forgiven you. Do you want your sins to be forgiven, your, your mishaps, your trespasses, the things that you do? Oh, Lord, give me mercy. But we need to give mercy to everybody else as well. So Peter comes to him and says, one more, maybe two more. There, Peter comes and says, you know, I like that message, Jesus, about forgiving one another. You know, sounds real good, but how many times are we supposed to forgive someone? Up to seven times? Do you know the answer to that? It's more than seven times, right? Let's see what it is. It's, Jesus answers, uh, no, I'm telling you seven times. Seven, uh, up to 70 times seven. How much is that? A lot. Too many to count. 490, okay. But, uh, but it wasn't the amount. It was, it was limitless. It has to be an attitude of being in forgiveness. You have, to, you have to just love people, forgive people, make allowances for their faults because of your love. I told you about my neighbor next door 
who we got off to a bad start in the beginning. And she drove her car by me, stopped in my driveway, and said, you're the worst neighbor I've ever had. <laughs> Moi? <laughs> and so I had to work my way back into her heart. And through a series of events, you know, being with her there when her... Uh, looked like her, her daughter, like when they robbed the house and she didn't know where her daughter was. And we I dressed my son up as a bunny and we went over to the house for Easter. I mean, we did a lot of things. And now, she, and I've helped her so many times. She said, you're the best neighbor we ever had. Well, just this last week, she, <laughs> she, she complained, you know, could you trim the bushes that's coming over my yard? You know, can you get your guys to do that? And I look, I go, come on, it's not that what? But she's nervous because the fire department comes out once a year and he checks the, tre the trees and everything. And so I said, okay. So I trimmed him two hours in the hot sun. And, and, and so I le left a bad taste in my mouth. Just the way she kind of ordered me around. You know, I said, I don't work for you. I don't work for you. So I, uh, so I had, I was fertilizing my lawn. I had some extra. I went down the street and fertilized my son's lawn, and I did his neighbor's. And so as, as I was coming back, the Lord says, why don't you fertilize your neighbor, your best friend neighbor over there? I go, no, I don't really feel like it. <laughs> this is true confession, you know. I'm good. And then the Lord says, I don't know what happened. It just kind of rolled right over there, and I see her. I go, hey, uh, do you mind if I fertilize your lawn for you? I have some extra seed. And uh, she said, uh, how much is it going to cost me? I go, no, it's complimentary. It's free. She says, okay, go ahead. Then she asked me, are you sure? I go, yes. And so I, I fertilized her lawn. She was so happy. She gave me all, all these vegetables from her garden. So happy. And then, I, then she texts me, and I found out she was voted the number one visionary motivator in all of the nation in the nursing department. She had an article in the magazine showing how she just inspired people to work. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, inspiration by insult. I mean, <laughs> then I realized, she, that's just the way she is. She just wants to motivate and, and, and propel people, and so I didn't take it, I didn't take the bait. Amen? I didn't like the way, the tone of her text. Well, you can't tell the tone of her text, but as I was reading, I go, I don't really like the way she's talking to me. <laughs> but we have to not take the bait. We have to not give in and let our emotions, but let the Lord take control of us. Now, I'm going to finish up with this one little uh, uh, help, help, help aid. Sometimes you have to go to people and talk to them. I don't really like to. I like to just rather do good. My wife and I learned this a long time ago that, you know, in Proverbs it says, a gift pacifies one that is angry. A gift pacifies anger. So in the ministry, we had a lot of people coming and going, a lot of personalities, and sometimes they rub you the wrong way. Sometimes we rub them the wrong way. So we wound up having to give them gifts to make them, you know, and the smile came on their face. Oh, I'm so thankful. Oh, that's so wonderful. Everything's cool with us. And, and so after a while, it was getting so costly, we said, we better just be nice in the beginning because it's <laughs> costing too much money to buy all these gifts. But sometimes you have to go and talk to people, and that's hard to do. But I've got 12 points for you to, you don't even have to write them down. I got them written in the back, but we're going to show them up here. These 12 points will help you 
interact with people. How many of you want to see those? Amen. Okay, let's look at them. Okay, the first one is, have I forgiven the person before the discussion? You've got to already have settled in your mind, I've released them from the evil they did to me. <laughs> I forgive them. And that, takes, that may take a little bit of time. It may take some time before you kind of get settled and let the Lord work on you. Just like me going with the, the, the fertilizer. It took me a little while to get in, in sync. Number two, am, am I able to apologize even though I think I'm right? Oh, my gosh. I possibly could be wrong? How could this possibly be? Even if you think you're right, still apologize. This is a humbling Number three, am I going in peace? Do you have peace in your heart towards a person? Four, am I giving the other person respect? So important. We can't talk down to the person. We have to make them feel special, right? Number five, express the situation without attacking or harming. We want to sit down and tell them exactly what they did. They didn't do right. And let me tell you how you didn't do right. Don't do that. Six, don't accuse or judge. You might have missed their intent. Maybe they didn't mean that what they had said. Maybe that text, that text that that lady sent me, she didn't mean any harm, but it's just the way it came off, right? Number seven, let the other person express themselves completely. Now, this is a hard one to sit and listen to somebody exhale all their feelings and all their emotion. You got to sit there and take it. Oh, my God. I can remember one time, this lady was in the, the lobby, and she was going to meet with the senior pastor, and I was there, and, and she, was, she was steaming. You know, I'm going like, oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens here. So she goes in there. She talks to the pastor. They're in there for a while. She comes out laughing. Oh, they're joking. You know, they're having a good time. I go, what happened? He said, you know what? Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. In other words, if you don't fuel it, if you don't fight you know, it, she's going to just exasperate yourself. She's going to feel good and get it all out. So let the other person express themselves completely. Next group, eight. I said 12, but there's 13 because this is a baker's dozen. You know what a baker's dozen is? They throw in an extra dozen, the, the extra donut. Okay, number eight. Don't display bad body language. Okay, what? What, what, are, you, what are you saying? <laughs> Rolling your eyes. Don't do that. My wife, she, when she's explaining something to me, she goes, why are you making faces? I go, I'm not making faces. <laughs> Number nine, listen attentively. Don't walk into the other room like I do. <laughs> I hear you. Keep going. No. Number ten, don't raise your voice. Keep a soft tone. You know what? When you have a soft tone... People feel secure, and they feel relaxed. We had this one guy at another church, and he used to make mistakes, and I was so mad. I was coming, ready to talk to him about it, and, and, and as soon as I came, he goes, I, I'm, Pastor, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I messed up. Forgive me. I'll, I won't. How can you get mad at somebody like that? Don't raise your voice. Eleven, express the situation without attacking or harming. We have that one already. Okay, look at 12. Go in with an attitude that everybody will be happy when they leave. What can I do to make peace in this situation? How can I make this person feel good? If you have to, you know, kid or joke or, you know, say something that, you know, they would like, 
just so that you can go home peaceably. You have to have that mindset. I'm not going to just go there and, and uh, tell them my mind. I'm going to make a bridge and build a relationship so that everyone is happy. Praise God. And the last one, speak with the voice of the Lord in your heart. Have gracious words. Let them know that it's the Lord speaking, not you. And when you do that, who can resist the Lord? Amen? Amen. So these, we have these uh, on the back table. You can pick them up. And the hardest, picking them up is easy. It's practicing them. That will be the challenge. But if you do these things, I guarantee you that you'll see peace when you present it to a person. Amen? So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you that as we come together together,